Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hey, Wobegon. Michael here. I've just got a few things to plug before we get started. I hope you enjoyed the beat tape and the episode of Movies with Michael that I dropped in the feed this week. And if you want more episodes of Movies with Michael, you should consider supporting the Patreon at patreon.com slash woe underscore begon. Where, in addition to early access to episodes, instrumental soundtracks, Q&As, directors, commentaries, and more, $10 and up patrons get Movies with Michael, episode 3 of which is coming soon. Now is also a good time to sign up for the postcard tier at $15 and up in order to receive January's postcards. People are getting their December postcards right now, and it's been a lot of fun watching it unfold in the Discord. Special thanks to my 10 newest patrons. Cat, Big Dick B, Cecilia Leadpipe, Jennifer Toner, Floral Botanist, Moss, Protrobiter, Mikey Mike and the Funky Bunch, Alex, and Juniper from the Garage for supporting the show. Enjoy. Warning, this episode contains a description of death. Listener discretion is advised. You know, I thought I'd be spending more time at Over after the mustard seed affair. At first I was sort of dreading it. 
there's a reason that we created Overmike and Mustard Seed in the first place. And that was that work at Over was work, and work sucks, I know. Edgar and I didn't want to have to do our over duties and keep up appearances while we were trying to devote all of our time to important work that we were doing at base. But then I got settled in and things clicked into place and it wasn't that bad actually. It reminded me of the good old days, walking around the valley, doing my patrol route. It definitely isn't healthy to romanticize my early days at over as the good old days. I've talked about this before, my brain is constantly trying to trick me into thinking that if something happened a long time ago, then that thing was good. Remember back in the day, everyone was so happy and safe, and I was cutting my own limbs off for the sake of entertaining a game runner? Good times, that's why they call them the good old days. You know, and not the good old days. They had to chop the D off of old in order to win a mysterious and violent online game, so now it's just the good old days. The key difference between now and the good old days being, of course, that I was housing a stowaway in my cabin. I didn't have the nerve to kill over Mike or to consolidate him, so he became my little secret. A secret that I managed to keep, mind you, even though Chance, Hunter, and Cole were now keeping it with me. I think that they didn't care enough about the situation to rat me out to base. Overmike was my little pet project, and they didn't want anything to do with it, which was fine with me. Overmike had actually earned some of my trust for helping us rescue Cole, and I was considering letting him do some of the overwork if he continued proving himself. Who knows, maybe I could muster up some courage from somewhere, and go to base and tell them that Overmike was alive, and that we should try having over iterations again. Maybe. As I said, over is nice, but it would also be nice to be able to stay at base whenever I needed to and not have to travel there every time we needed to have a meeting. And traveling to base for the sake of a meeting is where our story begins. Marissa had been kidnapped, Michael went to the Flinchite compound to ask them for help because they were the only ones that we knew that knew how to track a disappearance through time and Michael had written up a report of what he had learned and left it at base. I did find it odd that he seemingly didn't want to be there in person, but Michael's an odd duck. If you remember, he's a cowboy of me, so odd behavior is expected. If he started being exceedingly normal, that would be alarming. Like if he showed up to base one day with a shaved face and he's like in a suit and tie. Well, no, that's actually, that's still sort of weird. We don't wear formal clothes at base, that's more of a Thai betteridge thing. But if he did, I don't know, some normal thing, I would be alarmed. Why can't I name a single normal thing? Here's something normal for you. The cold open's done. We're meeting at base to figure out what to do about Marissa. And this is Wobegon.
It was a more intimate meeting at base. Edgar, Anne, Cole, and I were seated in the living room, debriefing from the Edman and M-Dog debacle and trying to decide where to proceed from there. Edman and M-Dog themselves would have to be placed on the back burner for the time being, seeing as how we had an ongoing kidnapping. Edman and M-Dog themselves were plenty suspicious, but there was no time to deal with them now. I hoped that our visit didn't scare them off, but Matt was still in Vancouver and keeping an eye on them. A more subtle eye, I hoped, since he had admitted to hiding in their bushes during our meeting. I invited Cole to this meeting in hopes that his expertise would be able to help us complete the mission. I told him that there was no expectation and he was free to say no, but he was quite enthusiastic. He showed up prepared. He even had notes that he had taken to present to us. I was impressed, but I think that he was just bored in hiding. There hadn't been very much for him to do. He helped us organize the mass consolidation, but other than that he had been laying low, and a lot of laying low means not doing much. And so he leapt at the chance to get out of the abandoned warehouse and see base. Michael's not going to be here? Anne asked. No, Edgar replied. He sent a report of everything that he learned from his visit to the Flinchite compound, so we should be fine, he just didn't want to be here. Assholes at August's house, I'm sure, I said. Now, I don't want to be too judgmental, Edgar replied. Michael was willing to go into the compound for us. He got us some information that we desperately needed, so I think it's all right if he wanted to go home to his boyfriend. I bristled at how casually Edgar used the word boyfriend to refer to August, a level of understanding that I was not yet comfortable with. So what's the gist of that report? Anne asked. Long story short, Ryan's back, Edgar said, and Ty confirmed for us that Ryan has Marissa. Then they can trace Marissa like they traced mustard seed, right? I asked. We know where the tank was when it was transported. Unfortunately, the Flinchite's tracing capabilities have been compromised and Ryan's have been amplified. It's not going to be as easy as asking them for some coordinates this time, Edgar said. How fucking convenient, Anne said, brushing back her hair behind her ears. This is all according to the Flinchites, right? Ryan being back is, what, a tall tale to get us off the trail of what they're actually up to? I don't buy it. It could be, Edgar said, but we're really flying in the dark here. We don't have many other options except to cooperate with them, and they're offering their resources where applicable. They're trying to help us find Ryan, so... I don't understand what their motivations are if they're playing both sides of the game. Cole sat quietly, listening, occasionally jotting things down. Edgar and Anne are going to like him, I thought. Let's assume that we're not being deceived and it is truly Ryan, I said. Why would Ryan kidnap Marissa? Maybe he just wanted a tank, Anne said. Surely it would be less hassle in the long term to find a tank that doesn't have Marissa in it, I said. Then maybe he wanted to announce to us that he's back, Edgar said. That, or maybe he wanted us to come looking for him, in which case we're doing exactly what he wants us to do, I said. Though we need to look for him whether that's what he wants or not. We can't ignore this. He stole an entire Marissa. Marissa has weapons, Edgar said. Maybe he's trying to arm a team? Make something more legitimate than Wobegon? Something like the Flinchite compound? No, he can get weapons, he can duplicate things just like we do, I said. But Marissa has one thing that you can't just buy or duplicate or steal. 
Marissa has a patrol route that goes directly in front of Tier 2. That's really smart, Mikey, Edgar said. We should explore what Ryan might want to do inside of Over using Marissa's access. I don't think that we should wait until Ryan is inside of Over and using this access to begin doing something, Anne said. By then, it will be too late to mitigate something. We need to track them down. How do we track Marissa down when she could be anywhere in space and time and the Flinchite compound is no help? We could try to do a correction on the initial event at Edman and Imdog's house, I suggested. That won't work, Edgar said. I got a message today from some iteration where we tried that. Quote, don't do a correction on Marissa, huge waste of time. And then a base message confirmation code, it's legit. Something to that effect. So, I'm afraid we actually do need to track her down. Okay, no correction. Now what? Anne asked. Uh, Cole's here. Cole's got notes. You want to take it away? I asked. Uh, sure. Uh, thanks for having me, everyone. I'm Cole. I think we've all met, but maybe just once. I'm Chance's friend. Oh, and I understand how some of the back end of this over-security stuff works. So that's the new plan? Over-security? Anne asked. Potentially, Cole continued. What Michael described this other compound having, the tracing capability, I think that with some cajoling, I could get a similar output from security, since we know her location. But if that compound's having problems with it, I'm not sure that I won't just run into the same trouble. I just don't want to make any promises. Oh, by all means, promise away, I said. But there's also the problem of the location of the security software, Cole said. As you know, the software is inside of Tier 2, and even worse for me, Tier 2 is inside of Over. And according to you all, the reason I'm here is because Over successfully killed me. So I don't believe that it would be a good idea for me to set foot inside of there. And unfortunately, there's no way that I could teach you how to do this in a timely manner. There's too much to learn and too much that I won't know until I get a good look at it. We'll steal a computer then, Edgar said. It wouldn't even be that difficult. I have codes to Tier 2 via 116E. We could slip in, make it to a security building, use the calculator to move a computer out so no one would see us lugging it around, and then come back. That sort of thing is pretty routine at this point. It's not that easy, I'm afraid, Cole said. We need more than the computer. We need the intranet that the computer is on. The program's only doing part of the work. Then we'll get the internet, I said. Well, that's that's not really... Mike, do you know what an internet is? Cole asked. If it's a thing that over has, then we can take the thing, I replied. Cole shook his head. We cannot take the thing. Oh, uh, Panther, I interjected. Didn't we steal something digital from the boulders? Over Mike was there. Yeah, we sure did, Bear, Edgar said. Anne and I poured over it a few times, actually, but we couldn't make heads or tails of it. So they're Bear and Panther, Cole asked. Yes, and they're gross about it, Anne said. Can I see this whatever it is, this thing from the boulders? Cole asked. Yeah, sure thing. I've got it on a backup drive somewhere, Edgar said. Let's move this conversation into my office and we'll have a look at it. Edgar led us all into his office, which felt too impeccably clean to actually be a place where a human being got work done. 
He pulled a box of hard drives out of a filing cabinet and picked one, with a date range that contained Overmike's excursion into Tier 2. He plugged the drive into his laptop, brought up the relevant files, and gestured to Cole to sit in the office chair. Is this anything? Edgar asked. It's not nothing, Cole said. The signal-to-noise ratio isn't very good, at all, but I understand what some of this is, and this is... intriguing, to say the least. How did you get this? We had Overmike shock himself at the boulders with a, a thingy from 116E, I explained. We have a whole procedural write-up for it in our records if you'd like to see that, Edgar said. I very much would, Cole said. This is... something. Will it be enough for what we need if we can get you a computer from over? I asked. Cole furrowed his brow. Again, I don't want to make promises, but the potential is there. Like I said, it's not nothing. And worst case scenario, now we have an over-computer. We can always keep working on it, I said. And this data is finally good for something, so Overmike didn't sneak into Tier 2 and shock himself in vain, Edgar added. May he rest in peace. I shot a glance at Cole. He was looking back at me as well. My eyes pleaded with him. They don't know about Overmike. Please don't tell them. It felt like in elementary school when you go over to a friend's house and they'd lie about how they got an A on the math test, but you know that they got a D and all of a sudden you have to lie and you're not prepared for this. They're having something weird for dinner like liver and onions and you just want to run away. Tell them I got an A on the math test, Cole. Rest in peace, Overmike. I concurred. Cole gave me a very slight but knowing nod. If we get this up and running, this will be way more powerful than those handheld units, Cole said. From what Chance has told me, this operation seems to be structured around time travel, but you guys should know that time travel is the shallow end of the pool here. There is a lot more going on than that, especially deeper into Over. Yeah, we have some experience with the other stuff from the Flinchite compound, I said, and they're working on medical applications, things like restoring limbs and treating wounds, even very fatal ones. Cole's eyes lit up. He looked directly at me. That's extremely interesting, and this is Ty Betteridge's people? That's right, I said, the Flinchite compound. That's extremely cool, Cole said. I pitched the idea of medical use to my superiors and never heard anything back. Of course, Over might be dabbling in this in some section I don't even know exists. So what do you say, Bear? You want to go with me and pick up a computer tonight? Edgar asked. You're going out in the field with me? I asked. Sure, why not? Edgar said. We're both going to be inside of Over anyway. I've got the code. It shouldn't be any trouble. Let's do it. Hell yeah, I said. Just don't interfere with my intricate and well-practiced spycraft. If you exhibit any, then I won't, Edgar said. So it's time to pull off the of the century, huh? Cole added. It felt as though the air had been sucked out of the room. I could feel my face going pale. My mouth was slightly agape. I'm getting a little choked up now, actually. Cole looked confused. Why did everyone physically recoil? He asked. Did I say something wrong just now? You did say something wrong, I blurted out. It's okay, honey, he doesn't know, Edgar said. He walked over to me and put his arms around me. You're damn right he doesn't know, I said. I'm sorry, Cole said. It's alright, Cole, I said. 
but we don't use the, the H word here. Too many terrible memories. I understand, Cole said. Well, I don't understand, but I won't use that word again. That's all I ask, I said. The night was cool, calm, and peaceful, much akin to a night that I believe that I am correct to remember fondly, the night that I had to touch the doorknob of the Red Flag Cabin, a night where everything went smoothly and all was on track, unless I'm misremembering and that was also the night that I got attacked by a bear. Edgar and I made it through the front gate, waving to Troy on the way in. We began walking toward the cabins. Do you think he's actually terrible at his job, or he's playing dumb for some reason that we've just yet to discover? Edgar asked. I am truly of two minds about that, I said. He's a little too slow to catch on to things sometimes, it's suspicious, like it's an act. But I can't for the life of me tell what the act is for. Well, if his act allows us to do whatever we want, then he can keep it up, Edgar replied. It's worked out for us so far. The other day, he asked me about a story that Mustard Seed told him, about a conversation that Mustard Seed and Overmike had, and I had to improvise, but Troy didn't seem to pick up on me having no idea what I was talking about. Oh, we're at your stop, babe. We were standing in front of my cabin. Yep, I'll grab my stuff and I'll meet you at your place in about an hour, I asked. Works for me, Edgar said. He kissed me on the cheek. Love you, bear. Love you, panther. And with that, he was off down the trail. I fished my keys out of my pocket and made my way inside. I could tell that something was amiss from the moment that I opened the door. The air had a foulness to it that I couldn't quite place. Still and heavy. I couldn't hear anything at all. Not especially surprising, I had ordered over Mike to be deadly quiet, and as a result he spent most of his time in his room with headphones on, but it felt inhumanly quiet, quieter than a person was capable of being. I turned on the light. In the living room chair was over Mike, slumped backwards, head pulled back, his eyes gray and distant. He was dead. He was covered in his own blood, which was presumably emanating from a large slit across his throat. The blood had spilled down onto the chair and then the ground, coating the whole area. Overmike lay there, completely limp. Gone. I suppressed an urge to vomit and quickly made sure that the blinds and curtains were drawn. Friends had been known to peer in my windows before. I walked over and checked over Mike's pulse. He was obviously dead, but if it were me, I would want someone to check before giving up. There was, in fact, no pulse to be found, but I did notice that he was still around body temperature and that he had not yet begun rigor mortis. Over Mike hadn't been sitting here all day. This had to have happened recently. This was a message. It had to be. We were in over, there's time travel technology all over the place, and anyone who would want to do something like this to me has access to that. They could have transported over Mike anywhere that they wanted to. They didn't have to make a big scene in my living room with buckets of blood. Someone wanted to tell me that they knew about over Mike. But who? 
And why? Was this Ryan? Was he sending me a message about trying to find him? Was it important that this happened on my way to a mission to steal a computer to track him down? Why over Mike? I didn't have time to ponder any of these questions in depth because, as I said, I was on a mission to steal a computer and track down Ryan. And I couldn't tell Edgar or Bass. They thought that Overmike was already dead. They would be furious at me for lying to them about that, for introducing a new liability unbeknownst to them that could lead to outcomes like this one. And I couldn't attempt a correction, Edgar had the calculator. Base wouldn't kill over Mike and leave him in my living room to punish me for lying about him, would they? No, no, no. I don't like that I even considered that. I did the only thing that I could do. I threw a sheet over over Mike, checked the rest of the house to make sure that the killer wasn't still there, packed a bag with all of the stuff that I needed for the mission into Tier 2, and I left, making doubly sure that the door was locked behind me. And a few minutes later, I was standing outside Edgar's cabin, mentally reset and ready for the mission. If anything, it was useful to get my spycraft muscles warmed up. I had to be cool, calm, and collected, even under extreme circumstances, even when I had just seen the corpse of a man who was me. I was a brick wall of stoicism. Edgar came out of his cabin with his backpack full of gear, locking the door behind him. Mikey Bear, what's wrong? You look like you've seen a ghost. Maybe not a brick wall of stoicism, but I felt the urge to vomit again and I didn't, so I had some composure. I, uh, n n no ghost, I said. I was just thinking about what Cole said and it made me nervous. I don't like that he used that word. There's a reason we don't use that word, babe. It's a bad omen. Edgar chuckled. There's no such things as bad omens, babe. He gently rubbed my shoulder. Now are we going to steal a computer or not? Hell yeah we are, Panther, I replied. We made our way into Tier 2. This morning, my mother called me before work. This was no great surprise, as she calls me every morning before work. She's really quite clingy. She never got over the fact that I left our little town in the southeast of England as soon as I could and went off to university as far away as possible. I wanted a bigger life. I couldn't bear to hang around any longer. The only exciting thing that ever happened in my town is the very public rumour that an exceedingly minor member of the royal family once disgraced himself in the local pizza restaurant.
But there's a downside of moving away from home. It means that your mother wants to speak to you all the time. And after university, I moved really far away, to the other side of the continent. So she wants to speak to me all of all of the time. And so she calls me every morning before I start work, which is just super. This morning, I had nothing to tell her, absolutely nothing. So she started getting all worked up about a new story that's been taking the UK by storm. Turns out that about a month ago, a body washed up on the coast of Wales, on some rocks just outside of a town called Hollyhead. A teenager, apparently. The police tried to identify him, but he wasn't on any of the records. No fingerprints, no DNA, no dental records. Just a run-of-the-mill corpse. My mother muttered something about the tidal floods from Ireland washing it across the sea, but I lost the will to live. A couple of weeks later, some fishermen found another body in exactly the same place. Slightly older man, maybe in his 20s or 30s. But this is when my mother got really excited. Because the police did all the same tests and this time there was a match. A DNA match with the teenager who'd washed up before. One in a billion, apparently. And now, yes, that's right, a few days ago they found another washed-up old corpse. This time an elderly man, again with identical DNA. The tabloids have been going crazy. Hollyhead started attracting all sorts of weirdos. Most people think it's just some kind of hoax, and I told my mother not to believe everything that she sees on the internet. In truth, I just didn't want to discuss it with her. No one really likes talking about their job with their parents, especially parents who gossip too much. But happily, just as she was getting into her flow, my boss called me over the tannoy. He always has excellent timing. I just wish he wouldn't call me Fee. Fee is short for Fiona, and my name is not Fiona. My name is Felix, and this is Woebegon. A special thanks to Ben Rowe for writing, recording, and starring in that monologue. Love you, Ben. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.